we're waiting for those last uh, few to join us. Uh, if uh, you want to take your Bibles and t- turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, I have, uh, as my family is well aware, uh, I have more material than we can cover today. But my goal is simply this to whet your appetite with this subject matter we're going to look at. And uh, uh, so, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Joe, since you're going to be the last one in, if you can shut those doors, that would be very helpful. Um, <clears throat> am I on? I, okay, I, I didn't check that before I got up here. But... Uh, um, when these occasions happen, when uh, I'm tapped for the third string quarterback, you know what that means? Nothing good, okay? But I, I, it's a privilege to be able to share with you today and uh, on a subject matter that I've studied multiple times through the years, and uh, that's very dear to my heart because as a pastor for some 40 years now, I realize that sometimes... For Christians, uh, they never quite connect the dots on, okay, if I want to get from this point where I'm at in my walk with God, in my spiritual journey, where I'm at now to where I want to be, what are the things that I need to put into motion to get me there? And uh, so we're going to cover a number of things. We're going to do some introductory uh, considerations as well, and then we'll look at this passage in a moment. Uh, Let's commit our time to the Lord. Father, we're grateful for your kindness today. Thank you uh, for the privilege of being able uh, to be your children by faith in the Lord Jesus. Thank you that uh, although we don't necessarily in the 21st century uh, understand uh, so much as other uh, third world countries understand, there is a, a cost involved in walking with God. But we thank you so much for the privileges and blessings we enjoy here in our country and the freedom to even meet this morning. And I pray that uh, some of the things that we consider this morning might be an encouragement to us and even to our mothers as we celebrate this Mother's Day. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is our subject. Very simple. I've always been a pretty simple approach to the, the, in the pastorate. It's a very small word. It's called fruit. All right? F-R-U-I-T. The Bible uses it a lot. And, uh, <clears throat> but again, it's one of those things that we get bits and pieces. And sometimes it's helpful, therefore, to study a subject matter where we can Uh, glean from what the Word of God teaches about that subject and formulate some theology, some convictions uh, with regard to that subject matter. And so our subject matter is fruit. But before we get started, there are uh, uh, a couple in this room, and uh, I won't point them out, that remember this story so that you know that uh, Pastor Dom is not always the sharpest pencil in the drawer, okay? And so it was our we were uh, going to be celebrating in six months our 25th anniversary. 
And so it was Christmas time, and the church was going to gift us with something, which they usually did, just like we do for Pastor Chris and Pastor Greg. And uh, so they called us up at the end of the Christmas Eve service. Uh, I believe it was Christmas Eve service. Uh, and uh, they said, you know, we want Pastor Dom and Elaine to come up. And, and, uh, and uh, the person who was announcing this uh, just got really choked up. And uh, I thought, well, this is kind of weird. They do this every year. But they said, you know, he went on and, and uh, all these uh, superlatives of our years of ministry. And, uh, and then he says, we have a, a gift for uh, Pastor and Elaine. And so uh, he called us up. They gave uh, me the gift. And they gave my wife the card. So I, I opened up the gift before Elaine had opened up the card. And so I opened up the gift. And uh, forget the exact title, but it was something like Keys to Kauai. And now in my thinking, geographically I'm thinking, oh, this is really nice. They gave us a book to study fruit. Because I'm thinking, kiwi, it's got to be related somehow. Because I didn't know anything about Hawaii, I'd never been there. And, uh, and then uh, Elaine was instructed, open the card. And so Elaine opened the card. She says, they're sending us to Hawaii, all expenses paid for a week. And then the congregation just roared because they realized, and, and I got all choked up when I realized this isn't a book about studying fruit, okay? So that's setting the stage for our subject matter today about fruit. But sometimes I, find, I, I share that story with you, not as only a matter of humor, but also sometimes believers don't think through carefully. How much, how important it is to God about that, the fact that he wants us to be fruitful and to bear fruit, but how do I get there? And so that's hopefully you know, what your appetite for what we're going to look at today. And, uh, and uh, the Lord just brought it to mind too when I was putting together some additional thoughts with regard to the study I did years ago that uh, in regard to our the day that we're celebrating today, Mother's Day. Uh, chapter 2, I'm just going to highlight verse 2. It says, Paul and, and those who are with him, he says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And, uh, and uh, as a pastor, I always find it very intriguing and there's perhaps uh, not a more touching scene than seeing a mother nursing her baby. There's something very uh, captivating about that, that intimacy that a mother enjoys with her little one. And, uh, and, and then on the other hand, he gives us the other side of the coin down in verse 11, where he says, you know <clears throat> how like a father with his children, we exhorted <clears throat> each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. <clears throat> so with regard to the father, he gives him three action words, right? Exhorted, encouraged, and charged. And I have found in life, not only through what the Bible has to say about it, but also in just observing uh, families, marriages, <clears throat> God and his... <clears throat> Let's see, Ben, could you get me a, a copy?
cup of water. I just got one of those frogs in my throat, <clears throat> and I don't want that to be distracting. Uh, that God in his providence and sovereignty uh, knew what it takes in the best environment to raise children and develop a family, and that is with the picture of a mother and a father. <clears throat> and any of you that have been married for any period of time, you know that uh, uh, the male brings something to the table, thank you, Ben, uh, that the mother doesn't, and vice versa, the mother, a man wouldn't think of living without his wife because <laughs> he knows that he would go into meltdown in a hurry. And I was one of those fathers, and uh, I recognized that early on. But uh, uh, now I'm going to read verses 13 through uh, verse 20. <clears throat> and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you re accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of, churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved so as always to fill up uh, be, be a measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly with a great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, and so I've just entitled this little lesson, The Joy of Fruitful Life and Ministry. The Joy of Fruitful Life and Ministry. We have been in, in Utah now for some 40 years ministering in four different churches. We, the Lord has given us an incredible amount of memories in all those churches, and they were very different. All of them were very different. And yet uh, the idea of bearing fruit uh, became very apparent very quickly that we, as the Lord Jesus said, I am come that you might bear fruit and that your fruit might remain, okay, might remain. And we thank the Lord that uh, <clears throat> now as we travel the country after all these years, we inevitably run into people that were uh, perhaps related to someone that got saved in one of our four ministries. Or at the southern camp that we started with three other pastors, uh, young people that were saved at Cedar Mountain Retreat, and now are adults and raising families, and their children know the Lord. And you see, that's heartwarming. It is. Now, you wish that everybody went on and succeeded and heeded the Word of God like God intended for them to, but that doesn't happen for all of them. And you know that. No one bats a thousand in life, and neither do you or I. 
But God in his grace and mercy does this work in our lives, which begins at the moment I'm saved. My life verse, if you didn't know it, is Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I can stand before you and say, God has continued to do that. He will perform it and is performing it until the day of Christ. And that journey begins there. That is when we're saved and continues throughout our lifetime. This energizing work of God's grace begins with salvation, moves on into sanctification, which will ultimately culminate in glorification. Now, sometimes as preachers, we're, we're guilty of assuming too much from our listeners. Okay? Salvation is pretty obvious. It's when we come to know Christ as our personal Savior, whether as a child or later on in life like I didn't come to know Christ until I was 19 years old. And so mine was very vivid and has remained vivid. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, uh, after salvation, it is God's will for uh, us to go through the, the whole spiritual journey during our lifetime from salvation to glorification to be sanctified or set apart to become more Christ-like. And, uh, and of course, the Bible teaches that, that we'll look at in a minute. And then ultimately, it culminates in glorification. And that is when I ultimately stand in the presence of the Lord. And then my salvation will be culminated as uh, I am enjoying his presence. Now, very simply, <clears throat> the word fruit in the original is the word karpos. Now, depending on whether you're looking at it, as a, you find it in the Bible, in the New Testament, as a noun or a descriptive adjective like fruitfulness uh, or uh, like fruits, plural. Uh, Jesus was the one that says, you shall know them by their fruits, right? And he was speaking of those who are not uh, saved, the enemy or false teacher. You shall know them by their uh, fruits. But the, uh, the New Testament alone uh, has one form or another of those eight, some 85 times. Uh, when you think of how many books are in the New Testament, that's quite a, a lot of mention of fruit. <clears throat> and yet I find that not a whole lot of believers have done any kind of uh, uh, exhaustive study or even basic study about how important fruit is to God. All that to say that it is important to God. When he mentions that that many times, it's important to God. Now, uh, I, I want us to consider some of the uh, classic and familiar passages. Now, 1 Thessalonians 2, I had you turn there because that's kind of the springboard that we'll come back to, time permitting. And if not, it's okay. But I just wanted to at least whet your appetite. And there are, if you've known the Lord any amount of time or studied the Bible any amount of time, there are some classic passages uh, uh, traditional passages that jump off the page that have to do with fruit or bearing fruit. And so I'd like to start us out in John chapter 15. So if you want to follow along, <clears throat> uh, some of these I'm going to have you turn to. Some of these I'm just going to quote. But uh, these, uh, there are a few that I wanted to uh, have you look at it 
to see how many times it is mentioned. <coughs> and uh, this is the uh, uh, most traditional, most familiar, if you will, passage, I believe, in the New Testament that Christians are familiar with where Christ presents himself in the only passage in the New Testament as the vine and we are the branches. And notice what he says with regard to that. I am the true vine, John 15, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may, may bear more fruit. Uh, I'm just going to drop down for the, uh, and he, in verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Now, let that sink in a minute. Is there any such thing as an independent, self-sustaining branch? No. It has to be connected to a tree or a bush, or it dies. And uh, I particularly chose this subject matter because I, I knew what Pastor Greg was preaching on last week, and I knew what Pastor Chris was preaching on this week. And I thought it might be a a good fit uh, since we're talking about spiritual giftedness and how that may fit in. <clears throat> um, anyway, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the, van, uh, in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And then drop down to verse 8. I'm, I'm skipping over. Uh, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And then drop down to verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, and notice this, that your, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's why I've entitled it the joy of fruitful ministry. Not only based on 1 Thessalonians 2, but John 15. In other words, he goes through this exposition of me being, him being the vine and us the branches so that you might understand that this is critical to not only sustaining you, but ultimately it will be fulfilling for your ongoing joy in life. And then drop down to verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. If you didn't catch it, in this exposition uh, of Jesus presenting himself as the vine, he, he goes from to bear fruit, he prunes it to, so that there might be more fruit, and ultimately God's will is to bear much fruit. So it's fruit, more fruit, much fruit. During my childhood years, when I was growing up, my, uh, my folks had a, 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 a peach tree in the backyard. It was an old, contorted, ugly tree to look at. But every year, my dad took such good care of it. I mean, it, the, the, the amount of peaches it would uh, produce uh, would just literally make the branches hang down to the ground. Uh, and I, I was always intrigued by that as a kid. 
the, the tree probably wasn't more than 20 feet tall. But the amount of peaches it produced was, was incredible. And then I've seen other fruit trees that don't produce a whole lot. And I'd like to suggest to you that based on a number of factors uh, and giftedness that Pastor Chris is going to preach about this morning, as well as Pastor Greg last week, that uh, it, when it comes to fruitfulness, be careful of the danger that God warns us of of comparing yourself to somebody else, particularly in the area of giftedness and fruitfulness. Because there's too many factors that we have no control over. It all has to do with, really, with God. My responsibility is simply obedient with what God has gifted me in order to serve him. But it is God's will for us to bear fruit. Uh, the next passage uh, I'd like you to turn to is Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to quote for you, if you're taking notes, Romans 7, 4 says, uh, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to whom, or to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you, we may bear fruit for God. Another verse is Colossians 1.10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. Now we're going to divide the idea of fruit into two categories this morning uh, that I believe the, we can uh, uh, demonstrate that and find evidence in the Bible for. <clears throat> in our Western culture, having been a part of a mission agency uh, for some 41 years now, that where people serve the Lord in 44 plus countries all over the world, uh, in our Western culture, we tend to think more of the idea of fruit bearing in the idea of what I do, okay? We're all about activity. Americans, we gotta make it happen, you know, right? Uh, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in our neighborhoods, whether it's in our government, you make things happen. Uh, I'd like to just mention, uh, many of you are familiar with the Beatitudes, right? And it's been said that the Beatitudes are all about what you be. Uh, you know, if we want to put it in a southern, southern culture, what you be or what you are. It has nothing to do with what you do. It's what you are. So the emphasis is on the internal. And part uh, of what's the emphasis with the idea of fruit bearing is the internal as well. And as a matter of fact, the internal has to be there before the external really happens in an effective way in our marriages, in our families, and in our church family. And so uh, uh, the passage here is Matthew 13. Um, <clears throat> we won't read both uh, uh, sections of scripture uh, but I'm just going to uh, read the part where Jesus explains. It's the parable of the sower, right? The sower who sows the seed, sows it on different kinds of ground. The ground represents the condition of the heart of the person who's receiving it. And, uh, and, and, and all of you came this morning 
and your heart is conditioned in one way or another as far as your receptivity to what's going to be said about the Word of God today. And that has a certain effect on how much fruit it will bear. It really does. But <clears throat> notice when Jesus explains, uh, beginning with verse 18 of Matthew 13, the parable. Here, then, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown in the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves, here's that word, unfruitful. It's got a prefix on it, right? As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. And then this qualifying last sentence. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. That's why I said what I said, don't compare yourself to somebody else. Because... As I understand it, that the ones that are bearing the fruit, you'd have to come up that some of these are unsaved. That is, the 100, the 60, the 30. But I think it's all within the family of God. And that being said, he says, now, now what is the common denominator for all four of the soils of my heart? They all what? They heard the word of God. They all heard. You go through those four explanations, all of them heard. But not all of them responded the same way, did they? And as a result, some had had to do with the condition of their heart, but then there's also our spiritual enemy, right? It says that uh, that, uh, that spiritual enemy is always there to snatch away what you just heard. So, for, let me give you a real live example. I, I, I used to sit where you sit, okay? And I, in, in most cases, I still sit where you sit. And that is, somebody is opening up the Word of God, and the Spirit of God brings attention to something in my heart and life that I need to give attention to or change or make a decision about. Now, while I'm under conviction, I know I need to deal with this. But guess what happens when I walk out the front door? Whew, man, I'm glad I'm out of there. I'm okay now. And pretty soon I forget that the Spirit of God had something for me that he really wants me to give attention to. Now, you say, well, is that really Satan snatches it, snatching it? Or is that just my sinful heart? Well, the end result is the same, isn't it? And that is I didn't respond how God wanted me to respond. And as a result, the word of God was ineffective for its intended purpose in my life. And, uh, and then uh, another classic passage that uh, I'll just call attention to is Galatians chapter 5, uh, beginning with about verse 22 and 23. You're very familiar with it. That identifies for us the fruit of what? 
the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and so on. You see? That's all internal. If you, we're, we're not taking the time to identify what those words mean this morning. But it's all internal things. And so with that being the case, I wanted to give you the two categories for fruit or fruit bearing. And if you missed everything else, you, you'll want to certainly take notice of this. Okay? Uh, the first one of fruit is, is the idea, it's metaphorically of the Christian virtues or Christ-likeness that God intends for me to develop as I grow in the Lord. This journey that began when I was saved that day or that time period and that will continue until I go home and be glorified in his presence. God wants me to be sanctified or become more like him. There's internal things that God wants me to develop. Okay? Now, if that isn't happening, then maybe I need to take some spiritual inventory. Okay? I like to do that. That's one thing I like to do just between me and the Lord uh, every new year. That is right after the first of the year. Uh, and from time to time, if I'm willing to uh, 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 be uh, continued to be molded by the Lord. Uh, I, I like to ask Elaine if I'm more like Jesus today than I was last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, she's never said no yet, yet. And I'm glad for that. But you see, uh, we should have that ability and people who are dear and close to me that can keep my nose to the grind, that keep me moving in the right direction and be bearing fruit in my life. Now, you don't need too many friends like that, but we all need some, you see, because we all have blind spots that nobody else sees. And there's nobody that knows you better than your mate, right? You know that. I know that. And if you're not married, uh, that, that will come someday. And so... In many ways, your parents are the ones that know you to that depth. But, uh, and, I, and I remind you of what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, where uh, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, in that context, the word predestined or predestination uh, is not, the emphasis is not salvation. It's, it's uh, 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 conformity or being conformed to the image of Christ, right? Because he says uh, that the idea of being conformed, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's a believer, but it starts at the moment I'm saved, okay? And God wants me to be conformed, become more like Jesus. The other category of fruit is the idea of impacting and reproducing myself in the lives of other people. And so that's one of the reasons why Jesus could say, I came that your, your joy might be full and your fruit might remain. Well, obviously, there's a certain amount that internal fruit of Christian virtues remains in those who are closest to me once I'm gone, but I don't think that's what he's referring to. I think he's talking about the people that we impact. And uh, so if you want to have a legacy that you leave behind of spiritual impact, it's critical that I understand how God wants me to develop fruit in my life. Now, I don't think we're going to get back to First Thessalonians 2. That's okay. 
I knew I had more than I needed. But I did want to bring some final thoughts to what we considered this morning. As you think about those two categories, I, I'm, this is just between you and the Lord. I mean, if you want to do it between your wife, you and your wife or you and your husband, that's between yourselves. But that is, okay, whether I've been saved a month, a year, or 60 years, am I more like Jesus today than I was previously, last year, five years ago, 10 years ago? If not, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board, you know, of how you can, you can recalibrate your radar. <laughs> uh, and then there's the impact of other people. And again, the, the idea of 160-30, the sphere of influence that every believer has is different for every believer. Is that right? Some of you work in huge corporations, and you work with dozens of people. So your sphere of influence to the lost, particularly, is much larger than the average. On the other hand, uh, there's some of you that work and you work in an environment where there's three, four, five people around you. And that's your circle of influence. But whatever it is, God wants me to bear fruit. And again, as I look over the last 5, 10, 20 years, how many people have I influenced and impacted for Jesus? Doesn't mean that they've come to know the Lord, but that I've impacted. Because, see, as a missionary for all these years, that's front and center for me. The big three in biblical ministries worldwide is evangelism, discipleship, and leadership training. Those three always have to be front and center for a missionary. And it doesn't mean you do evangelism sometimes, and then later on you do discipleship, then later on you do leadership. No, you're doing all of them. It's just that on the front end of a church plant, you're doing a lot more evangelism than you are discipleship, leadership training. Why? Because you don't have anybody to disciple yet. For a while, in some of our church plants, I was preaching to my wife, and she's still married to me. I'm thankful for that, okay? But uh, it's slow going when you first start. But what kind of people, what kind of influence am I having? And in closing thoughts, let me, remember I told you sometimes believers don't connect the dots? In the athletic world, they understand it very clearly. In the... Uh, a person who wants to become a great musician, they understand it clearly. A person who wants to become a medical doctor, they understand it correctly. That is, if I want to get from where I am now to ultimately becoming good at being an athlete, a doctor, or whatever the calling is, I know what I have to do. And sometimes Christians say, well, you know, I, I don't know. I'll get there, I guess, somehow. Well, that's pretty haphazard. And in the military, I realized, no, they have a very clear set of goals of how to get you from where you are, that you're very out of shape and you're very unfocused and you have no desire to be trained to becoming someone who is physically fit and focused to be a good soldier. And uh, it is true, certainly, in the spiritual realm. And as I mentioned before, unfortunately, many times a believer never connects the dots of understanding that very simple fact that the choices, decisions, and disciplines I integrate into my life have a huge bearing as to whether I will arrive to where I want to get in life and having the kind of marriage, 
God wants me to have, the kind of family God wants me to have, the kind of children God wants me to have, the kind of church environment God wants us to have. You see, there, there are certain things that we need to put in place, right, in, in order to get there. But sometimes believers never connect those dots. And uh, I, I'd like to challenge us as a church family. And uh, I know I've shared a lot of introductory thoughts to you. But uh, uh, if you knew me before I was saved, since I didn't get saved until I was 19, I was a, a very despondent, dysfunctional young man that had no joy in but God put a new song in my heart that has never gone away. And I'm thankful for that. But you see, I had to learn some hard lessons, particularly early on. Because see, Elaine had the privilege of growing up into a Christian home. Her, her parents were delightful Christians. I grew up in a pagan home. My dad was violent. And I, I have all kinds of stories of how that violence uh, was passed along to us as his sons, to my mother as his wife. And uh, those are, you know, indelibly up here. And so I had to really recalibrate a lot of things. And I'm glad I had people that mentored me in that area of how to become a Christian father and a dad and uh, a husband and ultimately as a pastor. And they were good mentors. That's what a church family does, you see. We can help each other grow. And I know Pastor Chris is going to emphasize that in our service this morning. All right? I was going to take some time for some Q&A, but our time's up. I'm sorry. But I trust this is going to help. Father, thank you so much for your kindness to us today. We thank you that you've made it very, very clear that uh, you really have a heart for us to bear fruit. That's one of the reasons why you left us here is that we might not only bear fruit in terms of internally becoming more Christ-like, but also externally as we influence and impact other people for Jesus. Help us to be Christians who are not only knowledgeable, but focused and really energized by perhaps what you want to do through our lives and indeed making us uh, people who bear fruit. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.